ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, and it's a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The W was drawn out today. I noticed that. The W in What Up H-Town, Hey, How We Doing? lasted longer than all the other letters in What Up H-Town, Hey, How We Doing? It's a little bit of a favorite consonant of ours today. Dubs? Based on, yeah, based on the results and the fact that if we were playing Wheel of Fortune instead of the more popular consonants, W would probably be the right one for us today. We did win our uh, show bet with uh, Connor and Beard and Carlson, even though Carlson tried to say he wasn't involved in that at all. I was... Uh, Were we? I wasn't. I know that. I, I didn't even know about it. I was going to text Joe, but in, in between shows, I said to Joe, I'd make that bet about the Bulls because I felt good about it. And they were four and a half point favorites. Now, you led me wrong. Zach Levine did play and had over 20. So did Voosh. Yeah. But he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Joe and I talked about that, too. Both guys... They didn't know when they were coming back. I was a little concerned. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. It is uh, Thursday, so Bad Take Boulevard. Um, somebody at the station makes Bad Take Boulevard for the first time ever. A little bit later at 4.30 today. So that's going to be very good. Uh, John Grenard's ankle injury. Mm, got some questions about that. Two messages that I liked uh, from Kirby this week. Lots to get to. Lots to get to until 6 o'clock. First thing that I wanted to text into the playoffs. We know that the Texans are in the playoffs. They've sold out, which is great. That's cool. Uh, it's uh, deserving. Like you, you, should, you should sell out playoff games. That should never be a question. You should be selling out playoff games. So the Texans sell out energy, NRG Stadium. That's a good thing. The question now that the Texans are in the playoffs, we've talked about this throughout the year. Like, Did the Texans, when they won 11 games in three years, like how much criticism are you going to give them? Like They're a bad team. Yeah, you're going to be critical, but you're not talking about them amongst the elite in the NFL. Uh, You're not talking about how they stack up to the top half of the league. Well, the Texans this year started to deserve those stuff. They started to deserve more criticism. They started to deserve, well, where do they stack up in the AFC South? Can they top the Jaguars? And they eventually did. Now that they're in the playoffs, they're in the AFC playoffs, they host a game Saturday against uh, Cleveland. Now you have to ask yourselves and ask all of you in 713-780-3776, are the Texans a real contender? Are they a real boy? Yes? No? Why? Why not? Where do you stand on that, Blankers? Are the Texans a real contender in the AFC? I mean, if I'm just going to be as honest as I can be, they're not. I, I think they're a good football team that is only going to get better. But when I think of the contenders, I think of the top three to four teams that have everything that legitimately have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think of the Niners. I think of the Ravens. I used to think of the Eagles, and now I don't. Um, and, and from there, it's it's really – I don't think the Chiefs are capable of doing it this year with the ride receiving core that they have. Uh, it's a very short list. And, and so uh, I think that they're a good football team. I do not think that they are a contender. Um. I think they're still a year away from being a Super Bowl contender. Like To me, the window starts to open next year. But can they make some hay in the postseason? Can they make a ride in the postseason? Can they make a run in the postseason? I I think that it is capable. Now, if they were fully equipped, like I I ticked off some people on the uh, the Twitter today. I I tend to do that from time to time. There was a pro football focus grade on Tank Dell and like how good he's been this season. And I, I, you know, I'm sarcastic from time to time. I was like, what is his, uh, what is his blocking grade? Because I'm still bitter about it. Like, I'll be honest, like I'm bitter about it. Why am I bitter about it? Because I want Tank Dell to be on this football team. I want Tank Dell to be healthy. I think if Tank Dell was on this offense, I think we can have this conversation and we would be giving the Texans, the Texans more like of a chance more credibility uh because they're tough out like you had tank dell to nico collins with cj stroud and devin singletary's running it really well the defense is playing a lot better it's like why not why not but the offense is outside of nico collins and singletary's been running pretty good 
they, they kind of lack some weapons offensively. They lack some firepower offensively. It's going to be difficult for them to win a shootout. Like, they're going to have to win these 24-20 games, these 20-17 to 17 games, which they're capable of doing, but I'm bitter about that. I, I'm, a, I'm jaded that, that Tank Dell, because you used him recklessly, is not playing. So that's kind of where my mind is at with that. I, I, felt, I feel if they were completely healthy, and I know no NFL team is, but if you're completely healthy, I think you have a fighting chance. Like, I think you are perhaps a, a contender uh, because you have a tank. Maybe you have a full offensive line that you can trust and that can protect a quarterback. Like, look, look at the defense that you're facing this week and how good they are getting to the quarterback. You know, do I think that this Patrick offensive line is going to hold up and be okay? I think they'll be okay. But at full strength, you feel much better uh, about it. Even even defensively, like it looks like you're going to get all your guys back. But Will Anderson hasn't played over half the snaps in like a month. He played 12 snaps against Tennessee. Played less than 50 percent of the snaps. Uh, in the season finale against Indy, we haven't seen John Grenard in three weeks, and then the interior of the defensive line have kind of been on rotations as well. So they're kind of banged up, all of those things. I, I, I will say that I do think the Texans are a tough out, though, mm-hmm. for a couple sure. of reasons. Because I think that their defense is good enough to keep them in games. Like Derek Stingley, AFC Player of the Month, the month, pretty high accolade. You're getting Grenard back, it looks like, 12 and a half sacks. Will Anderson's getting healthier and healthier. I think they're going to be tough to score on, especially for a Cleveland offense. Now, offensively, you have C.J. Stroud. Like He, he kind of holds the keys, and because you have C.J. Stroud, you feel like you have a puncher's chance. So I'm not quite ready to call the Texans a real contender. I think that happens next year with cap space and adding more draft capital and young players to a team that won the AFC South. But right now, I'm calling them a tough out. I think if that's what you call the middle ground between contender and pretender, then that's where I would put them as well because there's talent on this football team. There's a leader at quarterback that has un- an unbelievable skill set that even in this short period of time of his first NFL season, he's shown you what he can do. I'm with you, and I've been, and I've been on that, that island and standing on that hill with you the entire time fighting for the fact Tank Dell never should have been blocking on that play because if you think about it, and, and when Nico's not in the game, we saw how limited this offense is, no matter who else is on the roster that's going to try and catch the football. I would throw Dalton Schultz in there as another weapon, but he's not a deep threat. Yeah. If, you, if you had Tank on one side, if you had Nico on the other, and you had the ability to really spread the field, challenge the, the back end of the defense for the Browns, though it is their one of their strengths, you would have you, you have the ability to do so much more. He He's such a... a kind of a unicorn in terms of all the different ways he can help beat you. Yeah, he can run the slants, he can run the inside routes, but he can run the deep ball. He, you know, you can run him on the end of rounds, and, and then you've got a big physical receiver on the other side. I think that that changes so much. If you have a healthy John Grenard, and on the other side, you've got Will Anderson, and you've got those two bookends coming at you with the kind of guys they have in the middle of the field, it changes everything. So I think that there's a lot of talent on this football team, and I think they are far from being pretenders like a Tampa Bay in my mind or Pittsburgh at this point in the season. But in order for me to put them in the contender ranks, then I think that you would have to have all those guys healthy and maybe a little bit more, but I'm with you. I think next year we're going to start getting into that conversation of them contending because of the fact that they're only going to get better because they have the ability to add players in a variety of different ways. And I think that we've seen enough of the young core, the coaching staff, and the organization to know they are going upward, and they are going upward fairly rapidly. It's hard for me to call. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being very critical of this. I hesitate to call Dalton Schultz a weapon, and maybe it's because I don't believe in like his his ability to make explosive plays. I think he's a like a really good red zone target. Uh, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, maybe not for long. He uh, was talking about Dalton Schultz yesterday and says that like a good tight end is the binky uh, to uh, to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. The the reason that I and, and maybe I'm I'm just way wrong on this seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six but the reason that I hesitate there is be, probably because of the explosives like it's hard for me to call a player a weapon offensively if they're not going to give you the possibility of explosive plays but but think about that right because mm-hmm. I would say that instead of just the explosive plays it's the reliability and the big plays right you can make big plays without being explosive yeah you think of the ball across the middle that he basically took away from a defender you think about how many times when they needed a key third down, uh, first down, and they needed to execute. And he went out and made a difficult catch, picked it from right right off the grass top, or, or you know, dove out and made a play in traffic. He's the kind of guy without having to be explosive that can make those must-have catches that extend drives that happen at big points in the game 
that also allows CJ to know, hey, when I need a guy that can I can I can count on, he's going to do everything in his power to bring that ball in, and chances are he's going to get it. I can go to that guy. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I'm just. Uh... Because I, I agree with that, like he is—he's the binky, and perhaps having a really good binky is having a really good weapon, uh, and, and perhaps that's me making a leap that like weapon means like explosiveness. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN or the Texans a real contender. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I think one other thing too here is that a lot of times. I I watch a big win very closely because a lot of times you get that big win and then you have a letdown the following week. Uh, you can like whether it's the NCAA tournament, whether it's um, you know college football, whatever the case may be. You get that huge win. You're on the mountaintop. You're at the pinnacle, and you never quite get over it. Like you let that victory and the hangover from that victory carry over into the next week. And I'm not saying that I'm seeing that at all at the Houston Texans. But week 18, like the message needs to be from NRG, from from uh, D'Amico Ryans, from all of the coaching staff, from the leaders of this team, even if you don't win, the message throughout the entire week needs to be week 18 cannot be the highlight of the season. We can't in the offseason look back to the 2023 season and the high point for us was the win against Indianapolis. Like you have to get over that. And, and quite frankly, what I've seen from them, they have like D'Amico Ryans put the, like Indy behind him as soon as like the Monday press conference, you listen to Stroud, you listen to Slowick, you listen to Burke, you listen to all the quotes. Like, I do get the sense and the belief that they have moved on. That was something I was a little worried about early in the week. It's like, hey, it's a huge win. It's the best regular season win you've had maybe ever, maybe in the franchise's history. It was the biggest win you've had at minimum in the last four years as a franchise. But you can't let that be the highlight of the yeah. 2023 season. Don't get embarrassed this week at home. Don't do something because I think, that, and I don't think that they will, but I think that the fact that it's not a regular season game per se, we, we all kind of basically said going into that game, it was like the first round of the playoffs. It's a must win. It's the biggest game of the year. You got to win. And, and you got to know in that locker room that now just because you got that game, you got bigger fish to fry. You got another mountain to climb, and you know it's coming right the next week. A lot of times, those letdowns happen because the next week maybe the the, the team isn't as as highly regarded. Maybe you know the, you're supposed to beat that team, and you relax. I don't think there's any relaxing because they know every game that from this point forward, starting last week, was a win, one and done, win or go home situation. So I think that's why they're going to still be hyper focused, and they're going to understand the job at hand. It's one thing to say it; it's another thing to do it. We got to see it Saturday night. I fully believe that they're going to come out completely ready to play. And as long as they don't get embarrassed, then I don't think we'll point at that and say that was the high point. Killer Bees will be ranking their 14 playoff quarterbacks today. Where does C.J. Stroud stack up? Rockets and the Bulls both try to lose that game, and in ways they both did lose that game, at least at one period of time. Uh, John Grenard is back. Should he have been back sooner? Also a bad tag boulevard with the Killer Bees today coming up as well. 713-780-ESPN, 713-780-3776, the HRMP listener line. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Are the Texans real contenders? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. HRMP can really help your business, human resources, and payroll. It's in the name. It's Cougar owned by my colleague, Go Cougs. They've been members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. One of the many accolades for HRMP. But who cares about that? You're trying to improve the business for you. You're trying to get some help on that front. How can HRMP help there? Well, in a variety of different ways. HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding. They can help with all of those things. They can help with one of those things. You're having a little bit of trouble with payroll? We'll call HRP. If you're having a little bit of trouble with all of those things and you want to spend more time growing your business, call HRP. There's no boxes with HRP. Doesn't matter how small the job, does not matter how big the job. HRP will customize a plan for what ever you need whatever your business needs you have a problem you want to have an issue you want to take a little bit off your plate hrmp will find a way to help they do it in a very unique way uh, technology meets service everybody has the, the best tech now we know that hrmp no different they have the best technology you can find but their service is upper echelon it is the very best guaranteed fulfillment you'll never talk to a stranger you'll be talking to someone who knows you and they know your business needs give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let hrp customize a plan for you 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net that's hrp.net 
Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank. I'm Branham. Are the Texans real contenders? And, and you can't let Week 18 be the highlight of the season. You can't, oh yeah, Week 18 hangover. We beat the Colts, yay. AFC South champion, yay. And I don't expect them to be, for what it's worth. Uh, 713-780-3776. Judge Joe, where do you stand on this? Do you think the Texans are real contenders in 2000? I still call it 2023 because it's the 2023 season. What do you stand on the Texans' contendership in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think they are absolutely real playoff contenders because when we, I know we're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to rank our playoff teams. Every time I tried to make my list, I was trying to figure out if I was too low or too high on the Texans. So I look at the AFC and I, I say, you know what? Could the Texans win a playoff game? Yes. Could they win two playoff games? I think the answer to that question is yes. Uh-huh. If you can win two playoff games, you are a real contender. See, I like your way of looking at it because looking at it right now, it's like, okay, where do you stack up the Texans with the Ravens, with the 49ers? Uh, but your way of looking at it, hey, you win one game at a time. You win one game at a time. It's the cliche. It's the old coach speak, but it's true. You win one game at a time. You beat Cleveland. Who knows what happens in the other wild card games? You have no idea who you're going to play. Are the Texans capable of going into Baltimore and winning? I think it's a long shot, but I do think they're capable of doing that. And if you can do that... You can beat anybody in the and NFL. Honestly, and that's part of it, too, is I was thinking outside Baltimore. Like, yeah, if you if you end up, if it goes chalk, let's say, you know, 2-3-4 win this weekend, and you go to Baltimore, yeah, maybe I feel a little bit different, but you never know. What if Kansas City, or what, what if Pittsburgh beats Buffalo? Well, then Pittsburgh's going to Baltimore next week, and the Houston Texans are playing the Kansas City Chiefs because they reseed. Yep. Do I think they can beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, I do. See, I think, I get it that you go by, let's just take the next game on the schedule. You play, you know, on any given Sunday, anything can happen, so they are capable of beating a team like Baltimore. But when I did it, I looked at it and said, okay, take the top teams or the teams that I think are the top teams in the playoffs in the AFC, and then go head-to-head. How many do I think they could beat? And I think it was tough for me. It wasn't just Baltimore. I think it's tough for me to think that they can beat Buffalo on the road, I think in the snow or in really bad weather. I think you're right. I would I would have confidence that they could beat Kansas City, but you know more times Miami if they played Miami, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that they were going to win that game because we, we just know how explosive their offense is, and I just don't feel like the rest of the season they're ever going to get healthy. And Tank is such a huge part of this, like because you're no matter what happens, your receiving core is just never going to be what you saw when it was at its peak. That that's that's just grossly concerning to me in trying to take them to the next level and say they can contend for a Super Bowl. 713-780-ESPN. Are the Texans a real boy? Are they contenders? Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Vera, you're in the hive of the bees. Always great to hear from you, Vera. Hey, guys. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be... I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I'm, I'm just going to be a little bit of a pragmatist and say, like like George said, right? You know, just, just take it one game at a time. I think we can beat the Browns. It's at home. Um, you know, we had no pass rush against uh, when they played when we played Browns last, and we had no CJ Stroud. We had we had basically no offense, right? No Nico Collins. So I think we have a lot of these players coming back. I think we can definitely beat them, uh, and then we'll just see how it goes, right? Um, since you brought up the point of let's not make Week 18 the highlight, I think this is something that Nico had acknowledged earlier in the season that when the team had almost forgotten to win and when they had started winning i think they had a hard time for the first couple of times to sort of cope with the terms that hey we are actually winning games and i think they've gotten more comfortable with it and if you did see the uh, post game the the locker room celebration he did say look we are into the playoffs it's now zero and zero for everybody so let's see how this goes so i think if we can run teams close i i would consider that uh, a big w but now that we have a franchise quarterback and we should have people like Tangel coming back after the injury, that should also make us an attractive destination where we are not overpaying for good free agents. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on it, but I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Vera. Appreciate the call. Look, we talked about this, I, I mean, over the course of the last couple of weeks. One of the big things in, in doing all the things that they've done to kind of turn everything into 180 is is they're not a dumpster fire anymore. They're not the laughing stock of the league. They're going to attract. And then when you see what they did, who's quarterbacking, who's coaching, who doesn't want to play for a team like that? I think it went from if the money and this was Jeremy. I know this was your point all along. Look, the money's going to say that if they're going to pay more than anybody else, 
people are going to play here. And I was kind of steadfast on the fact that, yeah, if there's nothing else and they're the highest bidding team, yeah, you're going to probably play there, but you're, are you going to be happy playing there? Do you want to play there? I think a lot of guys are going to be knocking on your door instead of you just knocking on theirs when, when free agents are out there because of the fact that it's a very attractive destination right now in this league. It depends on the free agents you're talking about. Top of market free agents that are looking to get paid, they're not going to care where they get paid. Uh, I, I think that where the Texans is being an attractive franchise with D'Amico with young quarterbacks where you're going to see them really capitalize on that are with the veterans, like the older free agents. Like, the, the name that jumps to mind, this is not somebody that would ever sign with the Texans, is Jadavion Clowney. Like, Jadavion Clowney's not playing on a big salary. He's chasing around contenders, and, and he's still a good football player. So to me, it's those guys that have already gotten paid. They've already gotten their bag. They've already collected their big uh, paycheck, and now that contract is up, and now they're, it's like their second you know, wave of life in the NFL. It's those types of veterans, like a Jimmy Ward this year, like, but on a bigger scale. I, I go Singletary. I go a Singletary-type guy, but on a higher level, because in the past, if there was a, a, a veteran running back that maybe has some wear on the tires, but still has plenty left in the tank, and, and, and the Texans were involved with, say, uh, uh, two other teams, chances are the Texans aren't going to come out close to, to being a finalist or get, get that said player. I think that now you're going to see players that say, "Yeah, it, it, I'm going to." If, if all three teams are paying the same amount of money, I'm looking at the Texans because I like that situation. Yeah, I, I think that we're kind of saying the same thing two different ways because I, I don't think the top of the market players like that that the Houston Texans are really going to be in on, and then those guys aren't going to take the discount to come down to what I think the Texans' range would be. Even with Mike Evans. Because Mike Evans, I think, is a little different because he's from Galveston. Because hometown discount he's made, now. He's made some money. And, and, and I think that it's a combo platter of really liking the situation, knowing that they, he would be a wide receiver one candidate to upgrade the receiver room, and, and he might take less. I'm not sure what the Texans' plan is with, with the, how they spend their money. Like, no, I'm maybe, just throwing that out there. Maybe Nick Casario is like, Tank Dell is a third-rounder. Nico Collins was a third-rounder. I'm not going to spend big money on a receiver whenever I can draft a good receiver in the third round. So... We've seen, like, we have, a, like, an idea of what Nick Casario is. Now, we've seen two different faces of Nick Casario. We saw rebuilding Nick Casario, and I don't think we've actually seen the contender Nick Casario. Because I don't think in their wildest of imaginations they were winning the AFC South this year. What they were doing in the offseason wasn't like, we're going to make the playoffs. It was, let's build a good foundation that we feel really good about for the foreseeable future. And they did that. And it looks like they're ahead of schedule because they've won 10 games. Great head coach, rookie quarterback, best quarterback for a rookie this century. So they're ahead of schedule. So now this offseason is the first time we're going to see what does Nick Casario as a contender look like as a general manager. We don't know. Now, in the draft, I think Nick Casario has been incredibly aggressive. He's been one of the most aggressive GMs in all of the NFL, I think. And it's not just the trade for Will Anderson. Look how much he has traded in his three years as the GM. One of those years, he only he didn't have a first or a second. It was still willing and dealing. They traded up for Nico Collins. They traded up for Garrett Wallow. They traded up for Tank Dell. They traded up for Will Anderson. So Nico, uh, Nick Casario is a willing, dealing son of a gun that's super aggressive on draft day. In free agency? Haven't seen that, mm-hmm. but we ha- but he's never been in a position to do that. So we don't know. We have no clue what Casario's tendencies are going to be whenever he has a winning football team. But also kind of to what we were saying that that maybe you take it a next next step up is last year. I didn't think that they were going to be in the in the in the in the mix for Dalton Schultz. You know, when you look at some of the guys, but that, that was were, a bargain. That was a bargain. It's still ten plus, right? It's, I think it's nine. But, but regardless, the Cowboys... And what was he were, offered? He was offered like Three what? for 33. Exactly. And yeah. you got him for 9, 10 for 1. That's a bargain. But I think I would think other teams were interested the same way, and you were able to get him here. Now, but, but to I your think, point, to your point real quick, the Texans last year were not in position to sure, be like right. luring free agents because of their attractiveness to free agents. So... I don't think there was another $9 million, $10 million Maybe deal not. for Dalton Schultz. Maybe not, but what I was going to say is is the fact that once you got him last you got guys like him last year, you got Nelson the year before, you got some veterans, and now suddenly there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now there's hope and optimism and excitement because the rest of the league sees what you've seen all year long, and now you would think that's why you could probably get a next level up on guys like that because of the fact that now on the field you are showing the, the, the signs of being a true on-the-rise on the contending type team. 
713-780-ESPN are the Texans real contenders. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Abel, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up? How's it going? Great. What's up, man? Yeah, I, just, I, I wanted to say if uh, Houston comes out and we perform the way we did last week, the first play of the game, and, and uh, we shocked them. We, we caught them off guard on their, on their heels. We come out like that. There's no reason why we should win. We shouldn't win this game. Appreciate it, Abel. Thanks, Abel. Look, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, one play does not make a playoff win. And, you know, there's as the, the Chiefs-Texans game will tell you, with a big lead, you're still not safe. It'd be nice. Cleveland's defense is a lot different. They're a lot better. Their secondary is really good. That was one of those where you caught them, yes, but don't expect it again because Cleveland's defense on the deep ball is pretty damn good. I completely agree with Abel. It would be fantastic if the Texans score on the first play from scrimmage. It would be just the second time all year that an NFL team has scored from the first play of scrimmage, which is kind of hard to believe that the Texans touchdown, Stroud, Nico, uh, first play from scrimmage for the offense. That's the only time that's happened the entire year. So the likelihood, probably not the highest. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Uh, the Texans in the playoffs, first time since 19. Are they real contenders, though? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Guys, I'm here to tell you about the fact that we know this big game is coming up Saturday night. It's a full weekend of all this football to watch, and you want to make sure if you're having a viewing party, you're having people over to the house, that you have the great eats and treats that go with all the great action. That's why if you have a guilty pleasure like wings, like chips, like even pizza, you need the right dip to kind of accentuate it even more. And it used to be like in my household growing up, my mom would work really hard to get the right mix on the dips, whether she was making ranch or fresh onion and she was using the seasoning and the soup mix and the sour cream. Now it's all done for you and you look like a hero to whoever you have watching the game at your house because you can go to the, your local grocery store and get some daisy dips and you can get that daisy sour cream and onion dip and you can get that, that French onion dip, you can get that ranch dip and you can make everything you're serving taste so much better. People are going to love it. They're going to look at you and think you are the hero that they needed while they watch these games and you don't have to do any of the hard work like my mom used to have to do to make it right for everybody that's a guest. There's no MSG or added junk in it either it's all good stuff and it all tastes fantastic it's addictive you won't be able to stop using them and eating with them because when you are watching a big game as good as the game is you want the treats to be just as good and that's why i recommend you get to your local grocery store and get you some daisy dips Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. You catch what's going on right now? The queen bee of the Killer Bees, Joe George, who is responsible for the bump back music, is playing a little queen. Mm. Mm. Look at that. I see what you're up to, Joe. You can't slide that one by me. I thought I could. 713-780-ESPN. Are the Texans real contenders? Are they big boys now? They are real boy. Ocho, for the record, I believe in Stroud, but the real question is which offensive line do you trust to best protect its quarterback, uh, Browns or Texans? Browns have some have banged up offensive line. Um, the Texans have had a patchwork offensive line. I wonder who's going to start at right tackle. Reading the tea leaves, I think Fant might start ahead of Heck. Um, which is a kind of interesting because it seems like Fant has been 100%, but they still ride heck, ride heck instead yeah. of Fant. So I'm very curious to see who the right tackle is going to be. We won't spend 30 minutes on that like some other places, but I am curious about it. Um, I I would go Texans offensive line over the Browns offensive line to best protect the quarterback. It's it's kind of hard to, to, to hear anybody say that because of how banged up they've been and how many guys are out. But they've been serviceable and a little bit more. And they've done their job for the most part. And even the the whole Fanton Hecht and and you know losing Howard and and all the different things that they've done all year long, even Dieter, who I, I thought was not serviceable in any way, shape, or form, has become that and more to help this team out. I think that they've got good continuity. And we always talk about when you don't do the musical chairs and obviously you try to avoid injuries, but continuity is so important with the offensive line too to kind of pick each other up uh, depending on where the rush is coming from. 
I feel like they're really good, but I think the Browns line is really good. I, I, I'm not. I'm not willing to say, that, you know, and I'm not completely familiar with who's in and out for their offensive line and how dinged up they are. I think that they they might have a slight edge in terms of the the, the talent that's on the offensive line. But I'm not going to sell short the continuity that's been going on for the Texans lately. I think the Browns have lost three tackles to uh, season-ending injuries this year. Ooh. So, hey, Will Anderson, hey, John Grenard, feast, feast. Spend now, your ears back and go. Now, they've been doing a good job getting the, rid of the ball quickly, and Flacco can actually like move a little bit. Now, he's not going to run for 100 yards, but he can kind of move the pocket a little. One one seven six. any team in the playoffs are contenders any given Sunday. Fair point. Four three two one. I would not be shocked to see if the Texans uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I definitely wouldn't put my money on it this year. However, I think Schultz is an important piece. Big boy, he's got good hands. Reminds me of Jeremy Shockey. The Shockey comparison's a pretty good one. Yeah, I'll concede the weapon thing. I was thinking more explosive plays. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a weapon on third downs. He's a, he's a weapon in the red zone. He's a, he's a weapon over the middle. I'll give you that. Uh, 5895, anyone can win any game, but just because you can, all capital letters win, or even do, all capital letters win, doesn't mean uh, doesn't make you a contender. They have a 30% chance to beat the Ravens. They are a playoff team, but not... A contender. 30% chance to beat the Ravens? Yeah, he's saying Ravens. Browns? He said Ravens. Wow. 30% chance to beat the Ravens. I, I think that's, I'd probably put it maybe closer to a quarter, 25% chance. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's one every four. You never know. Uh, 2128, why do the Texans need anyone to take less? Don't they have a ton of cap space to spend? They shouldn't be looking for bargains. I don't think this 70 whatever million dollars is going to go nearly as far as a lot of people think where the Texans can spend all of this money. Look at all the free agents that are that are walking out the door. Or not, they might not walk out the door, but look how many expiring contracts they have. John Grenard's an expiring contract. Uh, Devin Singletary is an expiring contract. Dalton Schultz is an expi- expiring contract. I can't remember which one Cashman. of the defensive tackles is an expiring, but I think it's Rankins. I think it's Rankins. I think they have Collins under contract. I think Rankins is uh, an expiring contract. You mentioned Cashman's an expiring Steven contract. Nelson. Steven Nelson's an expiring contract. Offensively, Dalton. outside Dalton and Singletary. Singletary. And then Woods has an extra year. Noah Brown's an expiring. So all of those guys... Who Kaimi Fairbairn isn't expiring. So if all like who are you bringing is back? It, and if you're bringing back a good chunk, I think he might be. Which Johnson. your special teams have been fantastic. So if you're bringing back, I don't know, seventy percent of those guys, how much of that seventy-two million does that eat up? Well, it depends if Grenard's one of your good guys are coming back. Which I might be out on Grenard. Tell you why a little bit later. Twenty million. So I mean, that's so you're looking if you sign. I don't know. Six of those guys? Like, let's say you bring back Dalton Schultz and you bump them up to 12. Let's say that you bring back Singletary. What single? I don't know what Singletary is making. Probably around three. Maybe yeah. you get them up to five. So that's 17 on those two guys. Let's say you bring back Cashman. I don't know what Cashman would command. Maybe five again. So now that you're looking at 22, that's just three guys. Let's say you bring back Rankins at 10. Like That's 32 million. Let's say you bring back Steven Nelson at 12. Like that's forty four million, and let's just call it quits there. Let's say Fairbairn gets up to two million, that's fifty four. Let's say Johnson gets a million and a half. Let's just round it down to fifty five. Like that's pretty conservative, I think too. Like I don't think I went over the, and that's not even with John Grenard. That's now, not even with John Grenard. How much say. money was that, uh, Joe? That was like fifty. Yeah, fifty of the seventy two million. So that seventy two million is not going to go nearly as far as you think. Is there anybody that you could yes. unload contract? Probably. I, I I haven't. I actually I did kind of look at it a little bit today, but I didn't do the deep dive because I think it's an off season conversation when the Texans are eliminated. But absolutely, there's always that, and there's always going to be cap casualties. Yeah, always. Because, because like you know, I always say that the the most unbelievable. The definition for how you can be in a bad cap situation or get more cap money was the Saints a couple of years ago when they were like 80 over some a ridiculous number. And by the time free agency started, they had it to where they had like 20 to play with. I think that you can unload some guys, too, if you want to continue to add. But you're right. I mean, those guys, we're not talking about just slouches that kind of came in and, and kind of kept you afloat. Those guys, a lot of them played significant roles in doing what you did to win the games that you did this year, and you want them back. So, yeah, it's not like you're just going to be jumping into free agency and adding four or five big names and going, yeah, we can get anybody we want because you got it. You really have to be calculated. But that's also why you have to be frugal and look for value because you have to be able to find a guy who plays worth $15 million, but you're paying him 10 Like Dalton Schultz is probably that guy this year, right? Dalton mm-hmm. Schultz, you're, probably, you're playing 10 He's playing at a 12 to $15 million value. Devin Singletary is playing above his value. Blake Cashman's playing above his value. So, like, you have to find guys like that in the NFL, I think, to be a serious winner. But we just got up to $50 million and didn't even count John Grenard. That's crazy. And John Grenard's going to be probably over twenty. 
So, you know, if you do that, you're basically almost done. And you haven't even started discussing free agency with outside the building players. And and when you start looking at what they need to do and how they need to do it, you know, that's that's where the real true challenge is because I'm sitting there thinking about who could you whittle off? What could you do to do better? And a guy like Schultz and Singletary, are there guys out there when you look at free agency that can do the job the same way or even a Stevie Nelson, but you can get them on, the, on a cheaper deal because they didn't, they're not coming off the kind of season that Schultz is coming off mm-hmm. and, and Nelson's coming off in this case in Singletary. You hope so. Yeah, that would get back to our conversation of, yeah, and they want to play here. They understand it's a great opportunity. And if you replace Singletary, you're probably going to be the number one running back I want that if I'm looking for a young guy that was maybe t- paired up with the wrong team in the draft or whatever the whatever the case. But you're looking for cheaper versions to do the same kind of job at the same level as guys you lose. Yeah, I think you're more likely to find tight ends in free agency that are capable of doing Schultz-like things than you are. Like I don't love Nelson. I think he's solid. But it's really hard to find solid corners in free agency. It really is. So, and like, without it, overpaying. Like, if you gave me the option right now, Nelson or Schultz, you can bring back one and one has to leave in free agency. I think the popular answer would be Schultz. I got to go Nelson. I think the smart I think, answer is. Because in free agency, I think you're much likelier to replace a Schultz than you are a Nelson. Um, it's really difficult to replace a Gary Boutier. I think you also, you're going to need some help from two of your highest paid players on your team, and they're going to need to work, re, re, rework their contracts. Who's that? Larry Tunsil, Good luck with that. I understand, but it's not about giving back. It's about taking signing bonuses versus your salary. Like Remember, yeah, Sean Watson was a massive deal. They paid him a million dollars last year. The Browns yeah. have done the same thing with Miles Garrett and other players. I think Tunsil's done this. Yeah. Oh, darn it. I think 70, 78 has done this in the past. I think he's, they're going to have to do restructured. that. Like, he hasn't restructured to take less. They just rearrange right. like, the signing bonus and like the base salary. Uh, and Casario's, Casario's done that quite a bit. Who's so, two, Joe? Uh, t- Titus. Oh, like okay. Both your tackles. Like Give them signing bonuses and, and move some of that money around. Because you don't really have a lot of players. Like that's, You mentioned the Saints. It's a great point, but the thing about the Saints is they had all these overpaid players. The Texans don't really have a lot of high contracts. Like They don't have a bunch of players they can move money around with Mm-mm. outside of their three offensive linemen, if you include Shaq Mason. Yeah. But literally, when there's a will to get it done, there's a way to Absolutely. get it done. And that's why they, you're right. That's the best point to take away from all of this is you can get creative in a multitude of ways to get where you need to go. And they're going to have to do that because just resigning their own is important or replacing them. And then you're going to want to go out and get a guy or two without having to go to draft or trade. And you also might have to consider cutting some cutting the fat on some guys that are making more or you think you can get the same kind of player next year. One seven one five defense has to show up. Our offense is already there. It's kind of interesting because the defense kind of closed the gap with the offense late in the season. They didn't have Shroud for a couple of those games. One seven one five. We scored 22 points. With Cleveland, or against Cleveland, with uh, with Keenum, that's not entirely accurate. Like Davis Mills led some scoring drives there, uh, and it was in garbage time when the game was was well well out of reach. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's do an exercise. A little bit earlier, we we drew cards. We're gonna be teams. We're gonna be the general managers of every team that needs a head coach. Blankers has three teams. I have three teams. Joe George has two teams. We have the coaching pool. We'll tell you about that on the other side as well. We are going to go through each team and hire the top coaches from the coaching pool, from this carousel uh, that we think these teams would hire. Kind of trying to get an idea of what this coaching carousel is going to look like. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know what a goal from Pro Dunk would look like in your driveway. It would look great in your driveway. It looks great in every driveway that has a goal from Pro Dunk. They make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. They don't have broken backboards. They're not laying flat on their belly. The rim's not jacked up. No. These are the highest quality goals you'll ever find. Tempered glass backboard, breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware. They are fantastic. Mention that breakaway rim. That'll be handy because you can throw down some jams. That's right. It's height adjustable, 5 feet, 10 feet, everything in between. They have their new technology, which is called Lightning Adjust. It's on their new goal four, which you can raise it anywhere from five to ten feet in the matter of five seconds. How easy is that? How great is that? Also, their accessories, next level, LED light kits for night play, backstop nets, pull pad lettering, and lots, lots more. You can order everything online at 
produnk.com, including professional installation. Maybe you're not the handiest of guys. That's okay because the guys at ProDunk are. They'll professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't install. Let the pros at ProDunk do the work for you. Call 281-351-9822 and visit produnk.com. That's produnk.com. Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. It's not entirely accurate. He's Blank on Branham. All right, we're going to do an exercise here. Earlier before the show, uh, we each drew all of the eight teams that are in the uh, coaching carousel in the NFL. Uh, Tennessee, Carolina, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Washington football team. Uh, Blankers and I took three apiece. We left Joe with two because he's not talent. So we have three apiece. Blankers and I, that's six. Joe has two. We, we, we each have, uh, we've collected to to- in totality to have all eight of these teams. Blankers and I, three apiece. Joe has two. We also put together the most popular coaches in the coaching carousel. Look, we're probably, we're probably going to miss a couple. We might miss one or two that get hired that we didn't see coming because I promise you if we did this a few years ago, we would have never had David Cully in our coaching right. pool. I, I bet you we wouldn't have had Lovey Smith in our coaching pool. So we might miss one or two. But our coaching pool in alphabetical order is Belichick, Bienemy, Brian Callahan, Pete Carroll, Brian Flores, Aaron Glean, John Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, Gerard Mayo, Antonio Pierce, Bobby Slowick, Frank Smith, Dan Quinn, Mike Vrabel, Steve Wilkes. We drew order. We drew teams earlier. We're going to do this from who we think the team will hire. Not who we personally would hire, just to try to make it a little bit more realistic, a little bit more accurate. So before the show, Blankers drew Tennessee. Blankers drew the number one spot. So Blankers, who will the Tennessee Titans, in your opinion, hire from the coaching pool we just discussed? We'll just start this with everything that Texans fans probably don't want to hear. It's going to be Bobby Slowick. It's going to be Bobby Slowick because of the fact that there is... I did not see that coming. I didn't either. (laughs) There is a relationship... Already built in with the general manager. There is an owner in Pepe Le Pew, Amy the Skunk, who has a personal vendetta uh, against the Houston Texans organization and or the city of Houston. And if you read some of the things that have come out since she fired Mike Vrabel, it really was the last straw when she had her big weekend with the Oilers and the Oiler uniforms and all the things she thought she was getting one up on Houston with. And then she had to take her whoopee and go home at the end of the day. And it really, really, really ticked her off. She thinks she's getting back at Houston by getting Bobby Slowick away from them and then getting Bobby Slowick to work with her young quarterback the way he worked with C.J. Stroud. I think Tennessee is going to focus on Bobby Slowick. If I'm thinking like Tennessee and Pepe Le Pew, Amy the Skunk, I think I'm taking Bobby Slowick. So this is why I was upset that Tennessee was first because I thought that Tennessee wouldn't like if we I I thought if they were like sixth in the spot that once the coaches are gone it would have been Bobby Slowick. I I can't believe that you did it. I can't believe that you did it because I think that I, everything that you said I kind of agree with. I kind of agree with. So does it change the way you feel yesterday though? Because we were talking about our thoughts and our percentages of Slowick leaving. I had it at fifty-five. You had it at forty. Does this change where you have your percentages of him staying or going? I think he still has this. Obviously, it, it's his decision to make. And if he looks at the personnel and he knows there's a, there's there's some big money on that the books, there's some aging talent they got to get rid of. It, does he look at the situation and go, "This is anywhere close to what I've got working with, or other situations I might be able to get into"? He could possibly change his mind. But, yeah, kind of doing a little bit more research on what Tennessee was thinking and what they are thinking and how she is, I think it changes it to more of the fact that if he – it's going to be him that has to turn them down. I think he, he they're coming hard. That's funny. All right, so Bobby Slowick, first quarter – or the first head coach off the board uh, going to Tennessee. I drew Carolina. I drew number two. I think Dave Tepper is going to try all that he can to try to get this candidate right after screwing up Frank Reich. I think he's going to spend huge money. I think he wants an offensive mind because he's pot committed to Bryce Young. With that being said, 
I think Ben Johnson goes home. He's the he's the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. So Carolina gets Ben Johnson. Tennessee's Bobby Slowick. The number third team that was drawn was uh, the Chargers, and Blankers had the Chargers. So Blankers, who do you think they'll be hiring as the head coach? I think the Chargers are going to go for the big splash. They're in Los Angeles. They're competing with the Rams. They can't get the fans from San Diego to convert. They can't get fans from the soccer team in SC to convert. They need some kind of a big splash. They also need to finally open up the checkbook. Jim Harbaugh is the biggest, hottest name out there. He's been in California before. He's won and taken a team to a Super Bowl in California. He just won the national championship. It just seems like it's too good to be true. And uh, unless they're unwilling to pay him what he's looking for, I think Jim Harbaugh becomes the next quarterback. I mean, the next uh, coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, it's interesting because the Chargers have been very reluctant to spin. But I wonder if Harbaugh's desperation to get to the NFL, maybe he plays a little business with them. Maybe he doesn't command the highest salary in the NFL. Maybe it's like top seven-ish because he's so desperate to get back into the NFL. Uh, I'm next with Atlanta. I'm on the board here. This one's difficult because I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I don't have a good feel for what they're going to do. You told me the odds during the break. This is um, – see, this, this this job would be very tempting for an offensive guy, I think, because they they have Bijan Robinson. You got Drake London, who I think is a, a good wide receiver. They never mm-hmm. used the tight end because – uh, yeah, because I don't know why they never used him. Maybe he's a little overrated. Maybe Arthur Smith wasn't very good. But you told me that Bill Belichick, this is the favorite for him to land, that he's like a one-to-one odds to go to Atlanta, but you're thinking crazy you're, to me. Your thinking would be the number two on the odds pick. What do you mean? It would, Offensive it, guy? Enemy. They have be, I the don't see the enemy. I'm going to go well, Bill but, Belichick but, here. Let's see, because I'm going to go Bill Belichick. Okay. Yeah. Because remember now, the enemy, he was all but supposed to be, it was wrapped up, he was going to Atlanta, and they had the one final meeting. And they said that he used a bunch of cuss words and was so embarrassing that Arthur Blank changed his mind and he didn't get the job. Really? The first well, time. If he did that, I don't think he's ever going to yeah, get the so job. Yeah, so I don't know if Vegas considered that. I'm going to go Bill Belichick here. I'm going to trust the odds that you told me during the break, which is dangerous, trusting you. Thanks. But uh, Bill Belichick, he gets the job in Atlanta. Maybe he can convince Nick Saban, who has a Georgia home, to be his defensive coordinator. I read that somewhere on Twitter. I did. Today. I heard that today, too. Yeah, I mean, it's conspiracy. Just get Pete Carroll, too. Yeah, why not? What does he coach? Special teams? Defense? Well, you're already hiring Saban. He can be your linebacker coach? He can be your corner coach. Go collect a little AARP in Georgia. Let's skip ourselves while we're at it. I'm going to go Belichick in Atlanta, which doesn't seem like a great like fit, but they have a pretty good defense. Maybe bring in a good offensive mind, maybe Josh McDaniels. And then all of a sudden, you can flip it around there in Atlanta. Jimmy so Garoppolo, Belichick Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Yeah. Bring them all back together. Bring them all. Bill O'Brien can be your quarterback coach, although that's a demotion. Maybe Matt Patricia can, can come over as well. Come yeah. home. Bring it home to Belichick. Patriots South. Casario's the next general manager in Atlanta. Okay, I don't want him to call me mean things. Uh, I'm next as well with the Raiders. I got the Raiders at number five. This is mine as well. Because you already took Harbaugh off the board, I think this makes it very easy for me. I also think the Raiders have learned their lesson not hiring an interim coach that probably was better than the coach that they ended up hiring. Players are loving Antonio. Joe's even typing it before I finish my, my saying here because he can read my mind. I think they keep Antonio Pierce. Like, he, he kept that locker room intact. They won some games, too. Like, I, I, sometimes I find it overrated. Well, they kept the, the locker room intact. They played hard for him. So who cares if they're losing? Like, how, like, if they're losing games, who cares how hard they're playing or how much they like them? But they won some games down the stretch. I think Antonio Pierce, because Harbaugh's off the board, gets the Raiders' job. So I'll call that one. Pierce to the Raiders. Joe's next with the New England Patriots. And you got a decision to this make This is here. hard because... Because my mind tells me they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go Vrabel. Gerard Mayo is a minus seven hundred betting favorite minus according to seven hundred according to some sports books. Was this is has this been uh, updated? Today. This was today. It means, I saw it it today. means that it's it's already been. A, it was like but a handshake deal or more back in, when they made him associate head coach. It was. Yeah, but I would say screw you. We're hiring the better coach and Mike Vrabel. And I think that's what they're gonna do. I think I think Mike Vrabel is going to be the next head coach of the Patriots. I wonder what kind of odds you can get for Vrabel. I might do that during the break. 
Okay, so you're going Vrabel. I would hire Vrabel here, too. Like, even the agreement that you might have with Mayo, I'm sorry, man. I got to do what's in the best interest of my organization. I think that Vrabel is a better head coach, even though he's been lousy in the last two and a half years. So Vrabel goes to New England for Joe George, and then Joe's back on the clock again with Seattle. Yeah, I'm just going to say we're going to do a lot of reunions here for my two picks. Dan Quinn, mm-hmm. I think you know for two years now he has turned down coaching opportunities with the Broncos, the Bears, other teams. You know, thinking that he was going to be eventually replace Mike McCarthy if he got fired. But I think they keep Dan Quinn, or they go back to Dan Quinn here. And that's who Seattle hires. Okay, and the last one, Blankers. You're the last team on the carousel. You're the Washington Football Team. You get announced one, and then you're breaking a bunch of hearts. Yeah, I, I just. A lot of the guys that I thought were going to be the guy for this job are off the board. I'm looking at it going, that's a new ownership group with a boatload of money that wants a splash. They want a big name. They want a guy that's going to put butts back in seats and build excitement. They've got some weapons to build with, but those guys are all off the board. I'm looking at the the names that are left going, who's that biggest name? There's one. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. And I put them on there for this reason. I think I, I think you're right, that, and then I was thinking about it as well. I think it, 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 I'll say Pete Carroll. Oh, I don't see this at all. I think Pete Carroll wants to continue to coach. I think without flat out saying it yesterday at the press conference and being as gracious as he could because he knows he's still going to get his salary from the from Seattle and, and the Seahawks until 2025. I think uh-huh. as long as he sits. But I think he made it very, very, very clear. He's got plenty left in the tank. He he wanted to coach this team next year, and he I think he made it clear he wants to coach a team next year. If you're Magic Johnson and company and you're looking for a splashy name that is also going to bring some clout with it in terms of coaching staff and guys want to play for him, I think Pete Carroll's the guy because I just I don't see a guy like Eric Bieniemy who was the OC, moving up. I think that's a boring move that not a lot of people are going to get on board with. Uh, I just don't see, because of the fact that Johnson and Slovak were off the board, that there's that splat. And probably because Kellen Moore crapped the bed as part of the, the collapse of the Chargers. I, I think otherwise Kellen Moore might get consideration here. Or Munkin with the Ravens, maybe. But I, I think that they're going to look, if they go splashy and they want a name, Pete Carroll's the guy. Yeah, I don't see Carroll coaching in the NFL again. I, this is the. I, yeah, I don't see it. I, I don't I don't see many teams wanting to hire a coach that's Pete, that's Pete Carroll's age. I call me an ageist, I guess. Uh, I just don't see it happening. This is one that I'm also interested with with uh, Slowick. Because if they hire Adam Peters, which is the heavy rumor, because Bob Myers is consulting for Washington, he's boys with Adam Peters. They've like went to high school together. I want to say, yes. Uh, So they hire Adam Peters. Adam Peters worked with like Tennessee and Washington are the ones that I'm watching closely uh, with Bobby Sloak. If I was in your shoes, there. You you do have a tough one though, because like I, I don't see any other candidates that really fit Washington, like. I would love for Aaron Glenn to get a job. Shout out Nimitz. Yep. I just don't know where it's at. So in our exercise, Titans hire Slowick. Carolina hires Ben Johnson. Jim Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. Bill Belichick stays in the league with Atlanta. Antonio Pierce keeps the Raiders job. Mike Vrabel back to New England. Dan Quinn back to Seattle. And Pete Carroll is your new commander OC. Does this change the way you feel about Bobby Slowick in this coaching carousel? 713-780-3776. Also, there's 14 quarterbacks that have football left to play in the NFL. Let's rank those 14 quarterbacks, and where does C.J. Stroud come in? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.